episode 129 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews with interesting people joining me today via Skype. I have Ellen Bennett, the founder of Headley and Bennett, where you can find aprons and kitchen gear. A lot of professional chefs know all about you, right? That's right. That's okay. right. So excited to be here today. Well, thanks for being here. You also wrote a book. Stop it. You wrote Dream First, Details Later, How to Quit Overthinking and Make It Happen. I do follow you on Instagram, so I've seen a lot about your book in the last, I feel like, month or so, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Like full-blown book madness on there. Yeah. I like it. We're going to talk a lot about the book and actually Headley and Bennett because the story of how this all came about is super interesting to me. Uh, where are you from, though, originally, Ellen? I am half Mexican, half English, and I was born in L.A., and I've lived here for most of my life. Okay, Southern California girl. That's right, and all the way. I also read you. Um, your mama was a single mama. Yes, so single Mexican mama who taught me how to wake up and fight for life every day. Fantastic. What was that like growing up in L.A. with a single mama, and just what was childhood like for you? Uh, I think it was very different than my friend's childhood. Uh, I would basically represent my mother in anything. I was like, okay, she needs to go grocery shopping and she's working 12 hours a day. I'm going to go grocery shopping. We need somebody to pick up my sister from school. She's two miles away from our house. I will walk there and get her. So it was a lot more adult-like than I think the average 12, 13 year olds, uh, childhood. And, um, but I also felt like I loved it because my mother gave me a lot of responsibility and kind of said, I need your help and you're going to figure it out. And I trust you. So make it happen. So there's no question. She just let me do it. Well, and I was going to ask you, did some of that responsibility fall on you because she asked you to do it or because you saw the situation and you just said, I need to help out. Was it a little bit of both? I, I think it was a combo. But it definitely was more of the latter. Um, you know, she was a nurse. And so she'd work 12-hour shifts. She'd come home late, super tired. And the reason I started cooking was because my mother's not a good cook. And she would get home late and not really have much to eat other than, like, Trader Joe's burritos or something. And so I thought, well, why don't I cook for her so she can get home and have a nice hot meal? And I loved it. It, like, filled me with joy to have food on the table for her. And that was where my love for cooking started. So it was, like, necessity and then love for kind of taking care of her and helping her wherever I could. That's amazing. Where is she from in Mexico? She's from uh, an area called San Luis Potosí. So it's, like, a beautiful rainforest-like town in the middle of nowhere, she was born on a ranch. Um, she went to school in Mexico, became a registered nurse, came to the U.S., had to do her entire schooling all over again to become a registered nurse in the United States. So she's essentially like a doctor with the number of years that she went to university. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm very I feel very fortunate every day for every opportunity I get because I know how hard she worked to have us here. The tenacity. Good grief. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Resilience, gr grit, you name it. That is like, it is embedded in the Latin culture. Just like survive and find a way to make it work. Yeah, for sure. And you said you had a sister. Any other siblings? 
I have two sisters. One is a half sister. One's a full sister. Uh, but you know, in my mind, they're both my full sisters. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm the oldest of the three. So a house full of women. Whew. <laughs> lots of, lots lot of opinions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and your mom wasn't a good cook. Really? No, she was terrible. Like horrible. Now she loves to cook. I'm like, where were you when you were younger? She loves to come over to my house and I'll just show up from the office and she'll be in my kitchen, like making soup or whatever. But back in the day, she did not cook. No, no. Oh, she had other things to do. I feel like she was busy. She had, yeah, she had exactly. a, a, an important job to do. Well, when you were cooking for mom and, and your sisters, what kind of things were you, you cooking as a youngster? Um, I was trying to figure out how to cook anything Mexican. I had grown up going to visit my abuelita a lot in Mexico. And I was trying to figure out like, how do I make picadillo? How do I make tacos? How do I make soups and stews? But I, I was also just going onto the old school dial up internet and typing in like bagels. And then like a bagel recipe would appear. And I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna try and make bagels. And then I'd be like, cool, Who? what else do people make? Well, what about beef stew? So I was just trying to learn how to do stuff on my own and I just kind of figured it out. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people who either are chefs or they're in the kitchen, they love cooking. And this passion for cooking came from somewhere, but it sounds like you created it for yourself, which is, amazing yeah yeah it was it was really special anytime I was at my friends houses they would be hanging out in the living room doing whatever and I'd be in the kitchen like poking around with the mom being like what are you making how do you do that taking notes on napkins just being like can you show me what did you just put in there Ooh, that's so good or like hanging out with the abuelitas the grandmas and I just picked up little nuts and bolts from people along the way and I loved it. I love being like a sponge in the, anybody's kitchen that let me in. You were you were a little kitchen nerd back in the day. That's awesome. Totally. Your friends are like, hey, totally. we're playing this game. You're like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I, I, I'm learning how to make this soup real quick. I love it. <laughs> exactly. So um, I also read you at 18, I believe it was, went to culinary school in Mexico. Yes. yes. Was there, right. why, why Mexico? Was there something pulling you there? Yeah. So, you know, I had been born in LA, grew up here. All of my friends were either planning to be actresses or models in one way, shape or form. And I was like this weirdo kid with like crazy hair who loved like cooking all day and like being in the kitchen of their friends' houses. And so I was, I felt a little different. And so when I turned 18, I was like, I want to go to Mexico because I love I love when I'm there. People are just so alive and it's culturally rich and beautiful and colorful. I love color. Can you tell? <laughs> yes. I, so I moved there for a couple of months and then I decided to stay for four years and went to culinary school while I was there, had a million jobs, had a whole life. It was fantastic. And my mother was definitely like, that's a crazy idea. What do you mean you're going to move to Mexico City? Um, but it was the best thing I could have ever done because... I really gained a whole level of independence that I didn't have um, living with my mother, but also living in a other country by yourself at 18. That is not easy. No, for sure. What kind of challenges did you face? Were you, were you fluent at this time? Like, did, were you fluent in, in Spanish? I, I was fluent-ish, and then I became extremely fluent. Real fast, I bet. <laughs> 
real fast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the first challenge I had was getting my Mexican citizenship. I didn't have like a Mexican passport. So I needed to go get that. It's extremely bureaucratic, very complicated. I wanted to pay taxes and be like a legal abiding citizen. And everyone's like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I'm like, what? That's what you do. <laughs> I live in the US, like we pay taxes. Um, and so those were some of the first challenges. And then it was also just figuring out how to get a job when you're in another country and don't know anybody. So I ironically got a bunch of jobs modeling and acting while also being a tutor for English. I was a simultaneous translator for the Mexican Railroad Union. I was the lottery announcer on television. Uh, five days a week. I mean, eclectic with a capital E. Yeah, like really funny jobs. Look at you. Wait, lottery <laughs> lottery announcer. So you announce the lottery numbers, the winners in Spanish? Yes. Yes, every day. <laughs> like on TV? Yes, on TV. It would be like, it would, I'll give you a little like five second Please. clip. Like, bienvenidos a su sorteo tri clásico. Estamos ante la presencia de la inspectora de la Secretaría de Gobernación. Estos son los números ganadores. Mucha suerte a todos. 8, 5, 4, 7, 10. ¡Felicidades! Y recuerda que con pronósticos ayudas a los que menos tienen y más lo necesitan. ¡Juegatela con México! ¡Yay! Okay, that was amazing. Nice job. And you did this, uh, you said five days a week? Yes, which is the only reason I still remember it all of these years later. <laughs> yeah, we have... I'm like, I barely remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Somehow I remember the lottery numbers. Isn't it weird? We have these segments here for our newscast that run like every single day. And I go home and I find myself, you know, if you want news alerts anytime, anywhere, just go to KTVL.com. <laughs> I mean, you you just remember them because you're saying them every single day in and out. But yeah, I, yeah, I can't tell you what I wore yesterday to work, but I can remember that. Literally. That's funny. <laughs> so funny. Oh, I love that. So you're all these odd jobs. Was it just to, I mean, make money? You have to get by, right? Yeah, it was to make ends meet. You know, I didn't have anybody supporting me while I was in Mexico. So I needed to find jobs and just figure it all out while I was going to culinary school, uh, which again, helped me make something out of nothing, right? The idea of landing in a foreign country by myself, being like, okay, where do I begin? The creativity of it starts within you and the decision that you can, which is a lot of like how I, and why I started Headley and Bennett, how I wrote the book. Just like, all right, I've decided I'm going to do this. Now begin. Okay, then what? Just keep going. Figure it out. Ask questions. Like, it was very simple. I was just like, all right, I can do this. I'm doing it. I already did it. I Amazing. Did, I'm done. And you're like 20, 21, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was 18 to 22. Is that interesting looking back on that now? Um, because I have that same philosophy when people are like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just did it. You just go, you just do it, right? Yeah. You just get started. And if you don't yeah. know how to do something, thank goodness for Google. Like you just figure it out, right? You just like look it up yeah. or ask a question, ask for help and then go, yes. keep going. And if you get a roadblock, yeah. you just figure out either how to go over it or around it or under it or something, right? You just go. Yes, hundred percent. One of my favorite sayings is if the front door isn't open, climbing through the window. It's like when you hit a bump, you find a way. If there's a wall, you bust in through the wall. There's a there's no wall to bust through. You go through the floor. Like it doesn't matter, but you just keep going. You have to be curious and not just stop at the first sign of a no. Like a no, it could be a future yes. You don't know if you just threw in the towel right then and there. Mm -hmm, for sure. So you come back to the states. 
right? After four, was it four years in Mexico? Four years, okay. yeah. You come back, why? Well, I had graduated college. I had a great life. I had a house. Like I had all these things that I had created out of nothing. And I was like, this is awesome. Good work, Ellen. I'm 22. I'm like, so is this it? <laughs> I was kind of looking around. Have I peaked? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did I, did I do it all? No, I didn't. And I just felt a little too comfortable. So at that moment, I said, you know what? I'm going to sell all this stuff. And I'm going to go back to the United States with my like culinary career and make something out of it. And if I could do it here, I can definitely do it in the U.S. So I sold it all, went on a trip around the world, really like low cost, staying on couches sort of a thing. Um, visited a bunch of really cool places, went and climbed Mount Fuji, like just weird shit that I had, weird stuff that I had decided I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, then I moved back to L.A., Living with my mother, which was like, whoa, shocker, after four years of living in a foreign country alone, and started from the bottom. I went and got a job at, at a restaurant making $10 an hour, and I was like, okay, this is what you do. You've got it. If you want to be a restaurant owner, you need to work in a restaurant first, so get, go get some experience. And that's when Headley and Bennett started. Mm -hmm. I was working at that restaurant, learning to be a chef. Right. So- is that what you wanted to do? Did you want to, were you yeah. on the path to be a chef? Okay. Yeah, I wanted to have my own restaurants. I wanted to be, you know, in charge of that world, food I world. I don't want to say you were on the path to be a chef because you were a chef at that point. Yeah, well, I was a line cook on my way. Yes, I was a, yeah, call okay. me, they call it. So, so you, so you're kind of like here, right? Living in Mexico, you're doing your thing. You yeah. have a house, you have all these great accomplishments and then yeah. you come to the United States and you're like, Ooh, I'm back down here now a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. But what I realized and learned at 22, when I made that crazy move was that everything I had created didn't actually define me. The experiences I had learned really were what I was taking back with me. And even though I had all this stuff, the stuff didn't make me so I could just let go of it. And that was a very kind of therapeutic thing to do because you'll find in life that people end up getting all these things and then the things become them and then they lose themselves. And so I very much just like let go of all that stuff and said, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it on the path that I actually want to do it. Yes, I had money and resources and things now in Mexico, but it wasn't in the channel that I loved, which was food. And so I wanted to do it right and build it again. I was like, I can do this. Fantastic. So you're working in this restaurant. Um, you hate your apron, I've, I've read. Like, apron fell yeah. apart. It was, a, it was just junk, <laughs> garbage. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is what I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the chef, the head chef announced, hey, I'm ordering new aprons. And you're just like, I got aprons. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I know, it was crazy. But also, who moves to Mexico when they're 18 and, like, you True. know, pays their mother's bills when they're 13 and makes bagels? I don't know. I'm a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> I like challenges, apparently. I like, I like a big challenge. So, yeah, he said that out loud. And I, it literally felt like a ship was sailing in front of me. And I was like, should you get on the boat? Should you not get on the boat? I'm like, I'm getting on the boat. Um, and I said, I can make those aprons for you, chef. I have an apron company, which I absolutely did not. What and a liar. I had no what a liar. Well, the only thing I did have 
was a doing business as. I had gotten my doing business as in California. So it's like a business license, essentially. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm about as official as they come. I've got a business license. (laughs) (laughs) And, And, you know, I'm standing there with like more conviction than, I don't know, something epic. And he was just like, wait, really? What? You're a line cook in my kitchen. What are you talking about? You make aprons? I'm like, no, chef. I started working on them. I have a doing business ad. I'm going to make them so great. They're going to be really official. What do you need? What do you want? What's your turnaround time? Let's make this happen. And I just did it with such like gusto yeah. that he was like, all right, okay, cool. 40 aprons. I need them in a month. And I was like, you got it. So I clocked out and I was like, oh shit. I have to go. <laughs> Find sewers, aprons, fabric, materials, somebody to make them for me. Like I, I had nothing, but there's nothing like a deadline to get you going. That is true. I know all about deadlines, but just, just the idea of this story, like I, li- that almost makes me poop my pants a little bit. Like just, <laughs> what were you thinking? Like I, I have an apron. Not only did you say I can make you aprons, you said I have an apron company. And then yes. I'm just thinking, were you reeling at that point when you clocked out? You're like, I have, I have got to go like get aprons. Well, you know, I had been noodling on it for many weeks, thinking about what could it be like? What could they look like? Where should we start? How kind of fabric should it be? And I already knew everything I hated. And I also had a customer who was really entrepreneurial, like Chef Joseph was a very entrepreneurial man. So I knew that he would give me all his opinions on what he wanted and we could figure it out together. So I I didn't put it all on me and I didn't, I also didn't have the pretend assumption that I had all the answers. I was very eyes wide open that I was going to need help and that I was going to have to ask a lot of questions and that was okay because I was at least trying. So you had been thinking about aprons before this incident? In the kitchen? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's why it felt so kismet to me when he said, we're going to be buying aprons. Do you want one? And I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. Yeah. A, a thousand percent. I mean, literally the universe was like, here you go, Ellen, go take it. Yeah. Yeah. And I strongly believe that, you know, the universe does that to people all the time. And it like presents people with these kind of opportunities or moments or little signs. And you have to be aware and eyes wide open to that moment, that little like sparkle. And you either take it or you don't. Um, And in that moment, I was like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it because I felt the same thing I felt when I first started cooking. I felt the same thing I felt when I moved to Mexico. It was just like a sparkle of passion about something that meant I needed to follow that train, even if I didn't know where it was going to head. Mm -hmm. My heart just started beating a little faster because I feel that way about the people I pick to interview, right? So like, you know, I see this person and then I go, it takes me to this person and then this person, and then I go, oh, I kind of want to talk to them. I reach out, which you, by the way, were really hard to get in touch with. I just wanted to let you know. Really? A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Like, which, wait, wait, lady. Which then made me, it was like, no, I've got to have her. Like, I was just like, this is not going to stop me. And then when you get that yes, it's kind of like, oh, man, it's meant to be. I'm meant to talk to this person. They're meant to, like, spend, you know, half an hour in in my life. How cool. So I totally agree. If you are looking around, the universe, some people poo-poo that idea. I do not. I think the universe totally lets you know where you're going. Yeah. Well, and you also, like, you make decisions along the way, and you put it out into the world or universe or whatever you want to call it. You're like, I want this. 
And then sometimes things happen. And so you just got to be aware of that. And sometimes, by the way, the universe doesn't show up with it. And you got to go and find it and make it happen regardless. True. So that's, that's, the, that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. It either shows up or you make it show up. Amen. Amen to that. So you have a deadline to create, make these 40 aprons. You obviously get it done. What does your chef think yeah, about these aprons done. that you deliver? Uh, there's a full-on uh, page in the book, in my very colorful business book, that says, Bennett, these aprons suck. you got to fix them. And I'm like, die. I die. I literally died in the moment. So I turn them in. They look fantastic. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. And then they wash them. And they start to shrivel up horribly. I hadn't thought about, you know, the whole idea of testing materials, what bleeds, et cetera. They just looked good. They didn't actually work. And so he calls me in and I'm like, well, A, my job is on the line. B, he's my only customer. Like, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out quick. So I said, you know what, chef, give me half the aprons. I'll fix them while you have your team in the other half. I will take care of everything. I'm not going to charge anything of any kind, I will make it right. So we figured out the straps, the hardware, the brass hardware we use to this day on the on the next straps, like all of that was figured out because I essentially had a little bit of a gun to my head on this and I needed to make it right. And he's still a customer to this day. And we figured this out in about, I don't know, like a week, week and a half. And I made no money on that first order, but I got a lifelong customer and I learned that business is about taking responsibility for the things that go right and the things that go wrong. So I had to just step it up and make it right. Does the business at this point, um, does it just blossom from here or was it a little bit slower? Oh, no. I think that business is a very colorful explosion of so many experiences. <laughs> it's not just like, and then I became a millionaire. Like, no. <laughs> now I live in Tulum. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I still live in LA, to be clear. Um, huh. No, we, uh, from there, it was like old school, street by street, chef by chef, going to food events, talking to people, getting people to believe in what I was doing and showing them myself because I didn't really have a team. Like, what do you need? What do you want? How can I help you make a custom apron? And and then those people would wear it on TV. Then people saw the little red patch on the chest that represents Headley and Bennett. And they're like, I like that. You know, this is the, this is the little patch uh, that's on the chest. So people recognized it. Then people went online and started buying them from there. And it just kind of like snowballed chunk by chunk, but not without earthquakes and explosions along the way. Like this was not like this. It was, it was like, ah, that's, that's good to hear. Roads. That's good to yes. hear, honestly, because I feel like for, for all of those out there who are struggling to create something, we see others that have instant success or it's gradual, yeah. but it's nice to hear that like, no, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's great and sometimes it's shitty, period. Yep. And I promise you that every single person you think is just a raging success, overnight success, actually has a lot of things happening behind the scenes that they don't talk about or they're not letting you know about that are very real. You cannot have success without major failures too, because 
you are having success because you're willing to take risk. If you're not willing to take risk, you're not going to have success. Guess what comes with risk? Failure, right? It's like they're, they're hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. It's just how many times are you willing to get back up and succeed or try to succeed after failing, right? And so a lot of people that are successful are actually just really good at failing and getting back up and not feeling like the world is ending. I saw this amazing um, post on Instagram the other day where it was like a staircase of failures and somebody was like walking up the staircase versus another guy had all the failures like stacked up on his shoulders and he was being like squashed down because of of his failures. And so you really got to treat your failures like a staircase. Beautiful. You grow from that. Yeah, well said. If, If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? It's not, exactly. it's not necessarily easy. Um, I am curious, when you're showing off your apron in those early days, what was it about the apron that you were selling people on? Like, were you literally showing them, look, 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 look at all these things? Like, how, how, did, you, how did you sell that? Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I hated our uniforms. They sucked. You could basically see through the apron. They fall apart. So I'm making these badass aprons that feel super great. They're so much more durable. I can make them custom to your restaurant. The fabric is awesome. I'm using Japanese denim and here, try it on. Let me show you. And I'd like stick it on their heads, wrap it around their body. And they'd be like, oh man, this is really cool. And it was very much not just the gear that I was selling, but it was this attitude of like, we can be better we can show up in a different way. And it's that attitude that I think has gotten me through everything that I've done, through every failure and every success and anything Heavily and Bennett related. The book is all about the attitude. Like everything is how you show up. And no matter what happened yesterday, guess what? Like you and I are still standing here today and we get another shot. So that, like, that's really what you have to remember. No matter what happened, you are still standing here so like, remember you are driving the car of your life. Like go and keep driving. <laughs> um, let's talk about the book. Where'd the inspiration come from? You kind of touched on it, but where'd this inspiration, I mean, because who goes, I'm writing a book today. I'm going to write a book. Like who says that? <laughs> Ellen. Ellen, Ellen does. Apparently. Yeah, Ellen. <laughs> Evie. Evie does. Evie. Um, <laughs> so I, felt like when I started Headley and Bennett, I went to the bookstore, saw a bunch of books, everything was black and white. And, you know, no offense, guys, but it was mainly written by men. They were mainly written by men. And I was like, that's not cool. Like, where is the representation for everybody else? And so I decided to write a colorful business book that was honest and raw and told the genuine story of the ups and the downs and the curved roads. Because when you read a business book, that's just like, everything was perfect. And then we were acquired for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> You're like, man, do I suck because I'm not doing what's in that book? Right. You have nothing to compare to. Meanwhile, you've got this like crazy wild Mexican woman who started a business out of her house with $300 and then like things exploded, but she survived and then she grew and then something else happened. That gives you kind of something to compare to and say, hey, wait, well, she can do it. I think I can do it too. And that is the essence of the book is showing people not the perfect road to success, but the real road to success, which is filled with a lot of shit storms mm-hmm. and moments where you have to learn and then get back up again and try one more time. Yeah, for sure. Do you overthink? Not really. No. Um, 
because I'm like very inclined to move towards action. But as I have grown as a business owner, I've surrounded myself with people that help me think through things because I am inclined to like leap into action and people around me are like, all right, well, like, let's think about that in a couple different angles. And then they help me make a better choice than just like leap. (laughs) So you're, (laughs) so you're the one that's just going for it. Everyone else around you's like, whoa, Ellen, whoa, slow down just a bit. Is that, is that true? A little bit. It's a healthy balance. I keep people super energized and creative and kind of like pushing out of their comfort zones. And then they keep the tracks on the train. They're just like, all right, let's go in this direction. Let's stay focused. And I've learned that over the years. Like I used to be a one man band and now I have an incredible team that helps make everything happen. You can't do it all on your own. And that's okay too. So it's been an evolution from like one man band to now like a whole troop. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, teamwork. Like, there's nothing, you know, they say teamwork makes the dream work, but it's true. It really yeah. is true if you have a good yeah. team. Exactly, 100%. Uh, can we see the book? Do you have it? Yeah, can I grab it? Yeah, please, go grab it's, it. It's on my coffee table. One yeah, second. of course it's on your coffee table. <laughs> because it's the most colorful business book you've ever seen. It is really colorful. Um, and that was the point, okay, right? Yeah. You didn't want it to be black yes. and white. You wanted it to be colorful. Exactly. So this is the outside. Look and at then the, the inside. inside. Yeah, it's very colorful. I just You'll got really excited taste. and I'm not sure why. That's amazing. I love it. Perfect. Yeah, it's very, very colorful. And I, I'm pretty sure um, this interview will come out when uh, the book is available. So tell everybody where they can yes. find it. So you can get it on basically at any independent bookstore, Amazon. You can just type in Dream First Details Later into Google and it'll take you there. Oh, it's very fun. Look, look at all my jobs from Mexico. An infographic of all of Stop. my Mexico City hustles. Is, the, is yeah. the lottery picture on there? Where's the lottery job? Right there. Uh, wait. Somewhere. Oh, right. Ah, that one. You're like, you're like, weather, you're like doing weather on a green screen right now because yeah. everything's backwards. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, I don't know how to find it. Our, our meteorologist is actually in the studio right now. So she's really good at that. I'm terrible. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. super excited. Do you, are we good on time? I have just a few more questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please okay. Go for it. Because um, I do want to ask you regarding business um, and you've kind of already touched yeah. on this, but I think it's really important to hit home that it takes work, right? Like whether whether the universe throws it to you or not, or, or whether you notice something or you go you down go this find path, it. you go find it, but it takes yeah. work. I mean, it is, it's actual yeah. work. Yes, it is. And uh, it, I've been at it with Headley and Bennett, my company now for eight years. And we've gone through many a pivots, yeah. many team members, many growth spurts a lot of different things. And I learned so much along the way, but I didn't have it all figured out. And I still don't. And as long as you're willing to show up every day and like keep learning, you're still on the right track. The moment you feel like you're not passionate about it and you're unwilling to learn is kind of like where you've hit your wall in whatever it is that you're doing, because nothing is stagnant. Business either goes up or it goes down and you have to keep it going up or guess which direction it's going to go. It's going to go down. So it's on you to make that happen. 
Um, my, I, I had a single mom uh, growing up, and I remember when I went off to college, she said, you just, my, my advice for you is to show up. What you kind of just said, show up to class. If you're hungover, if you haven't showered, just go to class and just show, show up. up anyway. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's yeah. right. That's right. Love that. Oh, single mothers unite. Man, yeah, she was a good. She's a good one. She's a real good one. Um, I follow you on Instagram. I already mentioned that, and your Instagram is just—it's energetic, it's positive, it's colorful, it's happy. I am so jealous of your fridge. Oh, thank you. Can we talk? Can we talk about? So your your spice drawer is good. I have I have a I'm very organized when it comes to my spices. So I I feel like I could kind of compete with you there. But your fridge? Yeah. Nope. Out of my league, woman. Out of my league. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, yes, I nerd out pretty hardcore, especially through COVID. Uh, going to the grocery store was basically going to Barney's, you know, you're like, I'm going to walk the aisles of Whole Foods and I'm going to love every second of it. Uh, so the fridge is your closet, if you will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have it organized in sections, uh, by condiments and I white, I label everything with white markers white erase markers on the uh, outside of each fridge, <laughs> outside of each drawer. Very nerdy. See, remember when you called me a kitchen nerd when I was little? Turns out I'm still a kitchen nerd in a grown-up fashion. <laughs> well, you're in good company, my friend, because I'm a total kitchen nerd. We just, uh, a new grocery store opened up here, which is an Oregon-based store. They try to get a lot yeah. of Oregon, you know, kind of products in. It's just, it's a little Whole Foods-esque, but not quite on that level. But I mean, yeah. that's my happy place. Like I walk through there and I'm just like, I just found peanut butter with cacao nibs and espresso. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's the dream. Yeah. So Yes. So who, for whoever's out there, you can go follow me on Ellen Marie Bennett and we can nerd out on our pantries and a uh, yes. kitchen refrigerator. So but I, I have a question. Are you super organizational anyways in life? I'm pretty. So, okay. It's funny. I'm like half creative, half very anal about certain things. <laughs> so I like, I like things to be like lined up in perfect rows, but yeah. then I'm also super willing to experience a gigantic explosion of a mess. Yeah. Um, I'm cool with both, I feel but like, I like things organized. I feel like chefs are a little OCD. They like things in their, their place. You yeah. kind of have to be. Yeah. 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 You're just particular. Okay. They're particular. So they're like, that needs to be labeled and every label needs to be turned in the right direction. And they all need to be at the same height. Just saying. Yeah. Or, or heads are going to roll. Um, do you find, exactly. do you find that it is helpful though, when you get back from like the market, especially the farmer's market, you wash everything yeah. and then you put it away. So when you do start cooking, it's there, it's done, it's ready for you. Yeah. Like I'll cut the tips off of all of my herbs and put them in little glass jars with water in the fridge. So the herbs are constantly like fluffy and nice. Yeah. Or I'll take all of my, um, fruits and veggies and I'll separate them by category. I'll peel them sometimes. I'll throw them in a pot while I'm doing everything else. Maybe I'll steam something. So I try to get it like halfway there yeah. so that when I'm cooking, you know, halfway there. And, and what's your favorite thing to cook when you're in the kitchen? I notice you do a lot of things like, hey, this is speedy. You're like, I, I'm pressed yes. for time, speedy. <laughs> everything is speedy. That is like, if there's, a, if there's a word that my team could say about me, it's uh, speedy. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of like 15 minute 
20 minute meals. Like it's the end of the day. I'm starving. I just got home from the apron HQ at like 9 PM. And so I'm like, all right, what do I have? I've got five different ingredients. Let's do this. And so it becomes my own episode of chopped, if you will. And then I make it into an Instagram reel. So everybody else gets to see it too. That's good. Um, but I like that. I like food created by random ingredients that I have. I'm like, oh, I have pasta and I have tomatoes and I have like random, you know, chilies or something and right. I'll invent something. The elotes that you made? Yes. Were they, were they that good? They were really good. They were really, really good. They look so good. Any any cup of anything with a like a scoop of mayo, you've got me and I'm in. <laughs> I know. That was the way I used to eat uh, you know, corn in Mexico when I was growing up. So that was that was some old school stuff right there. Mm. I love it. Oh girl, you are you are in the thick of the Instagram. I love it. Uh that that just like put me borderline psycho <laughs> creeping on your no, Instagram. That, but I like I like that you are into the reels. I find them really educational. Mm-hmm. I think they're like helpful for people. I prefer to call it research. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> research. <laughs> we have before before I get to the final three, I have to ask you about Oliver. Oh yes. Oh, my magical pig. So we live in the hills of Echo Park and we have a 200 pound pig named Oliver. And we have seven chickens that are his little co-pilots, little troop. And we've had him for close to six years now. He's awesome and uh, sleeps on our couch every night. So, you know, unusual. Again, weirdos over here. (laughs) Was there, did you want a pet pig? Like, how did this happen? Yes, I've always wanted a pet pig. I just, I don't know, the idea of having something super fat and chunky and funny looking like them. I just, I loved the idea and I love animals. So yeah, yeah, we just, same thing like with everything else. I dreamed first, detailed later my way into a pig and uh, somebody gave him to me. And so he went from 15 pounds to 200 pounds and we still love him. <laughs> Bless his little heart. And he, and contrary to popular belief, pigs are actually really clean. They're super clean animals. Super clean, super clean. By the way, he's totally potty trained. He's never had an accident in the house. You walk into our house, you can't even tell we have an animal. Like truly, it's very clean. He's, he's a clean guy. Okay, well, I don't know Oliver, but I love him. Give him a smooch from me right on his sweet little nose because he's just the best. He's just the best. I will. I totally will. All right. We're going to get to the final three, uh, wrap it up a little bit. But uh, you've been so much fun. I knew it was going to be fun. I didn't know it was going to be this much fun. Um, So this this maybe goes in line with your book a little bit. But best advice you've ever been given. The best advice I've ever been given. I think it's very similar to yours, honestly. It's just like every day is a new day and you just got to keep going. You just got to keep showing up. Like you can't not. You have no excuse to not show up if you are still standing here alive, Mm -hmm. breathing. Like you have to just keep trying. And as long as you're alive, you have to keep trying. And every day you just try, try again. Yeah, that's like most basic, simple. You can't mess that up. You just have to try. Um, I interviewed. He's a former psychologist, but he said, especially in a pandemic, there's four types of people. One of them is a navigator and a navigator has those critical days and those victim days um, and the bystander days. But 
they end up navigating and showing up. And so I always think about that. Like when times are tough, you can get down, you can kind of be a little whatever, yeah. but you got to navigate, you got to keep going. Yes. Yes. That's, and that's, I'm so glad you mentioned that showing up doesn't mean you can't feel feelings. It doesn't mean you can't feel bad. It doesn't mean you can't have an off day. It just means that experience that feeling and then like move on, give yourself a time frame. give yourself a window. Okay. I'm going to be upset about this for 24 hours and then stop and keep going. Right. And so kind of block it, blocking yourself into these chunks of time so that you're not just like wallowing in your sorrows forever. Yeah. You guys, someone's got to drive the car, right? Just like get back in the life car and keep driving that sucker down the highway. Amen. Amen. Uh, what's your happy place? Mm, definitely two spots. One being in the bathtub. Oh, <laughs> I, love a tub. I love a tub. I can't even tell you. I mean, it's things that were really intense. I just walk, I walk into my house. I go upstairs straight into my tub. There's not even like dinner. I'm just like into the tub and it just chills me out. It calms me down. Perfect. Uh, so tubbing, tubbing and my backyard. Uh, it's like a little haven with the chickens and the pig and my garden and my vegetables. And it's calm and quiet. And sometimes you just need to like mm -hmm. take a beat and breathe. It is a beautiful backyard. I may or may not have seen it on your Instagram. <laughs> it is lovely. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I used to add, this is a historic interview because I used to ask since day one on this podcast, final meal, final drink, but I read that Julia Child hated that question from journalists and I can't ask it anymore. I just, there's, my heart can't handle it so Ellen Marie Bennett, what do you crave when it comes to food and drink? What do you crave? Spaghetti and meatball. Why? Yes, I so why? Why do we crave spaghetti and meatballs? They're so oh, good. They're so good, but really particular on my end, the noodles have to be al dente. Mm -hmm. And I need them to be like buttered and salted and peppered separately. So when you combine it with the meatballs and the sauce, every noodle is already flavored. It's almost like cacio pepe met up with meatballs and then they got together and like and they had a baby. dirty stuff. <laughs> they did dirty stuff. They had a baby. Uh, wait. That is the kind of spaghetti and meatballs that I want. <laughs> uh, is it spaghetti or do you do like bucatini or like what kind of pasta? Love I love a good bucatini, but honestly, just like, good old fashioned like Barilla or DiCecco freaking spaghetti, like the thick kind uh -huh. that just, again, has to be al dente. Has that to. is really key. I always undercook it and then I finish it off when I put butter into it because it still keeps cooking. And then when you put the sauce on it, guess what? It's still cooking. Right. So if you take the noodle out, when that noodle is like perfect, you're already screwed. <laughs> I agree. I'm a noodle in the sauce. Life lesson. Yeah, life lesson. I'm like, dream first details <laughs> later about everything, but your noodles. <laughs> right. Take notes, people, on those noodles. <laughs> I love it. Okay, drink. Any any cravings when it comes to like a good, like after work? Do you just like crave something? I don't really uh, drink very much during the week because I'm just trying to be on point at all times and be really aware of all the shit storms coming my I need, way. I need to learn um, how to do that. 
<laughs> but if I really want to like have a great drink, honestly, I'm like a classic lady. Like I want a prickly pear margarita. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Yeah. That's um, a good, good. Oh my gosh. You've been so, so much fun. EB founder of Headley and Bennett and look out for her book, dream first details later. It's all in the title, really. Just go for it, right? You'll figure it really out is. Er, er, later. That's right. Yes, the most colorful business book of your life. Go read it, go find it, go get it for yourself or for others. By the way, it's like the cost of three coffees. If you can't pay three coffees for your future, God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been so much fun. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. But you can also watch it on YouTube. Just search for Offscript with Trish Glose. Evie, my good friend Evie. Now we're like pals. We're we're pals. We, I made it. I made it to the EV with you. Yeah. Well, I love no, it. I I made it. I feel like it's uh, maybe a, just like an honor now that I can refer to you as Evie. Thank you so much, and so much best of luck with this book. I'm just so excited for you, and Thank I hope you. it really does energize people to just get out there and and do it and make things happen make for things themselves. Happen. Yes. Thank you. Come follow me on the gram and go get your book. Go, go, go. Thanks for having me, Trish. You're amazing.